Hi, I'm Joseph Kearns, and you're listening to Talking Blues. What's, what's your proper title on this show? Well, the proper title would be Entertainment Host. Um, it's, it's, it, it sometimes gets confused as a, a cruise director. If some people are used to traveling on the big ocean liners, they would be familiar with a cruise director as being the head of entertainment. Because this is a smaller scale in terms of entertainment operations, they they just say entertainment host. So the proper title is entertainment host. Okay, but yeah. that encompasses quite a bit. So yeah, yeah. I see you on the ship performing a number of nights. Mm -hmm. Um, but in addition to that, you're responsible for booking and coordinating the guests who come on, the ent entertainment guests, I guess. It's not, we don't book the guests, okay. the guest entertainment. Um, before every cruise, we get a list of who's coming on board. So they, they will be through agents that Crystal has approved of, have a, have a, a record of. Um, we get them, and, and our duty on board really is to catch mistakes before they happen. So for example, if we have an, an, an entertainer coming on board to perform, but we know we're in a difficult port where we're stuck for time um, and they have a 55 minute show, but we have a 45 minute window, we need to catch that right. and advise both our boss in Miami and the agent who's supplying the act. Um, on top of that, if we, we have to there's a number of things we have to assess how their performance went um, and suggest alterations if it's needed. Right. So even though I see you as a performer, because yeah. I see you as a performer performing most nights or every night, I guess, yeah. um, your role is much more than that on the ship. Yeah, it's it's something we're settling into. Um, and we, we've been... We, we have... I, I consider myself a musician before anything else. I've, right. I've been playing for 15 years, um, since I was 15 years old. And that's in front of audiences since I was 15. Um, and this position we, we've only had since October of last year. So it's relatively new. And when you say we, because people don't Oh, I'm know. sorry, myself and my wife, Olivia. Right. Yeah. So, and you met on a cruise ship. We met on a cruise ship. Um, we met on Disney Cruise Lines, so Olivia was working on the ship. Uh, she was working for six months before I got on board. I arrived on the ship. Uh, they said they had an Irish bar on the ship, Darby O'Gills. Right. So they were the manager was taking me around all the venues, and we walked into this one pub that had cartoon leprechauns all over the place, and. <laughs> big giant shamrocks and they said this is where you're playing I says oh really okay so that's where they stuck me for two months on board I met Olivia um, early on into the contract um, the whole love story uh, typical love story you know it's kind of uh, but she she's from New York I'm from Dublin we uh, we were nervous because we knew we wanted to stay with each other we didn't know we were going to get married at this stage. I don't think anyone, right? You know, but it's um, we knew we wanted. We we weren't prepared to say goodbye to each other after two months. Um, I knew Olivia had a little bit of experience musically. I could hear her play the one or two chords on the piano, 
Uh, oh, sorry. She, what was she? Wasn't an entertainer. She wasn't an entertainer. She was a dancer. She oh. was a dancer. Okay. But um, I knew she she enjoyed singing. I knew she had a she had a background of of musical theatre um, through her her college that she was in. Um, so for me, the idea was to work with Olivia, um, and and in in that way, stay together. Because the back and forth all the time just didn't seem like a plausible thing. She needed work, I needed work. Um, so it, 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 just, it just came to me and, and the idea came to me and, and stayed with me. And it, it stayed very, very... Uh, I, I was always thinking about it. I was always, before I approached Olivia about it, I, I knew that I wanted to work with her. But I knew it was going to be difficult because she, she wasn't amazing at the piano. She knew basic chords. On the piano. So. So how long ago was this? This was four and a half years ago. Okay, so like, like what I've seen of Olivia. I mean, she's. It's amazing. It's a. It, it is. It's an amazing thing that happened, because. As soon as I got off the ship, I went to New York to meet her family, because I wanted to. Sorry, this was two months. This was two months in. Yeah. And you knew the instant. I I knew. I knew. Did she know? Yeah, okay. yeah. The two, the, the two. Well, I hope. Thank so. God, I worked that well. <laughs> um, you just went to visit her parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's when we when we were three weeks three weeks into the relationship, I I approached Olivia and asked her if if she wanted to work with me as a musician. Right. Um, the idea was because what we saw a lot of on the ocean liners was a guy with a guitar singing and a girl singing sat on a stool next to him right. uh, and that's what we had and we approached uh, different people with that suggestion of this is this is our program uh, we got rejected quite regularly and quite often and I, I kind of so who are you presenting this so to? we are presenting it to agents okay um so the agent that represented me through disney cruise lines um, he he knew what my product was as a solo performer, and he was happy with that. Right. And Disney were happy with Olivia in the position that she was in, so they didn't want to take two positions that they were happy with and turn it into one position that they weren't sure of, which is completely understandable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, my contract finished, Olivia's contract finished with Disney. We had already turned down a second contract that was offered to each of us for our respective roles. Can I ask you what a contract is? Like, what does that usually mean? So a contract, typically, it's a, it, it can range from a three-month contract to a six-month contract. Okay. Um, I know Olivia's was eight months. She had two months training first in Toronto. Oh. And then she had six months on board the ship. For me, it was a, a two-month, but it can go two-month, three-month. Um, yeah, you, you work for your wage for the week. At the end of the week, your agent's commission comes off your wage. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a good job. I was very happy with it, but I, 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 it's, I, I don't want to be soppy or anything, but it's like it's, I knew I fell head over heels for Olivia, you know. Um, and I knew that there was, in my mind, there was a bigger picture. There was a bigger plan. I've never earned that amount of money before either when I was working with Disney. Okay, so are you, are you a B 
big picture kind of guy. Has that always been the case? Did you always have plans for the future? I, I, I always just, I wanted to be involved in music. I always wanted to be involved in music. Um, so let's, let's start earlier. Tell okay. me how you got into music. I don't remember. Because you were so young, is that? I don't think I was young. I, I, I think I, when I was in school, when I was 13 years old, I remember signing up to perform at a Christmas concert in my school. And I remember a teacher approaching me afterwards and saying, are you sure you want to do this because you don't play any instrument? And, and there, was, there was people in our class um, that were known to be great guitar players and they were always doing the performances in the school and stuff. And I remember, I remember saying I, I wanted to sing a song at the Christmas concert and I remember three or four of the classmates kind of laughing and jeering me and <laughs> I remember the, the Irish, the, the teacher who, who taught the Irish language was in charge of these Christmas concerts and, and she even approached me and says, are you sure you want to do it? And I remember, I remember getting a, a guitar off my mother for Christmas when I was probably 11. So by the time I was 11, I had a guitar, and by the time I was 13, I was performing. And what I'm going to say sounds really, really weird, and I, I don't like saying it because it sounds so made up, but I don't remember ever sitting and learning how to play the guitar. I don't remember sitting and, and saying, this is a G chord and your fingers go here. I know I must have because I know how to play the guitar. Do you remember banging your head somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... What were you playing? When, so when you said, when you started playing guitar at 11? I was playing the same song on the one string for so long that my mother was banging on the, the ceiling telling me to, to learn a new song. And it was, it was Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, great song. But this was just the one string plucked <laughs> over and over again for hours and hours and hours at a time. And I remember my sisters going, because I, I have three sisters, and my sister's going crazy saying, will you learn something else for God's sake, you know? Um, I, remember, I remember that phase of the guitar, and then I remember the phase when I was 13 and performing in the school at the Christmas concert. And then I remember the phase after that where I could just play the guitar. I remember three specific things, but I don't remember sitting down and getting a book. It's the same with the harmonica. I remember not being able to play the harmonica and I remember being able to play the harmonica. I don't remember learning it. I, I, and I, I've had this conversation with my family as well. So do you remember me sitting down and buying a book or going on the internet or something and looking up chords? And I think I always just had a guitar and I might have played a G chord for six months and then my finger might have slipped and gone into a G7 and me go, oh, what's this, a new chord, you know? And Did you know when you started playing that this is something you wanted to do? I knew, uh, I, I didn't consider myself a good guitar player. I still don't consider myself an amazing guitar player. I know what my strengths are. I know that, like, I'm a very basic guitar player, even now. Um... I'm not sure if calling it basic is proper, but... Well, we, we, I, 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 I'm not a... I, I know folky kind of finger-picking. I, I know rhythm... I'm very good at rhythm. Um, but there's so many times that I've... Now, I'm 30 years old and I'm starting to buy books about how to play the guitar better. 
um, finger picking techniques and stuff. And I know, and, and I do want to become better at that. It's just, I, I'm kind of, I'm set in my ways. The Irish music that I kind of was driven towards um, is very rhythm based. It's very, very, and, and you're talking about a song having three chords going around, around, around again, you know? Right. Um, story based songs that would last for 11 verses and it's G, C, D, G, C, D all the way around. So I never had any, I always thought that if I lived somewhere else, somewhere cooler, like, you know, somewhere where it was like a, a, um, a bigger community of musicians that are, were into jazz and blues. Because and, where I was from, they were just interested in the Irish music. You know? Right. Sorry, where were you from? From Dublin. Okay. From Dublin. Um, it's but, so even doubling? It's, 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 it's different now. It is different now, but I remember just that I'm talking about literally that the area in Dublin I was from. Right. I wasn't exposed to any other music other than the likes of the Waterboys right. or Luke Kelly, the Dubliners. Um, so I had no need. Ja jazz was such a foreign thing, and blues was such a foreign thing. So the the technical side of finger picking it wasn't important to me. But, it wasn't important. But as you learned the guitar, the Irish songs were what you were attracted to, that was what you were exposed to, and that's what you were playing. Yeah, so my... So, for example, when... when so, the, the 11 years old got the guitar. Don't remember learning how to play it. That's the first step of my guitar. The second step is 13 years old. I'm playing in front of a room of about 400 people who are all students and parents in this Christmas concert. And I remember being so like, violently nervous, like, you know, just so sick to my stomach just beforehand. And I, rem I remember I wanted something, <laughs> I wanted the stage to collapse just before I got on, just so that I didn't have to go on. Because I did, I, ha I had members of my classmates coming up and saying, even before going out saying, oh, are you sure you want to do this? Or, oh, here's the singer, you know, it's kind of, you know, a kind of a, a jokey kind of thing. Okay, so what, do you think made you want to do that and then I don't have know. that fear? I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I genuinely don't know. Okay, now we need to know how it turned out. Well, I got on the stage. The, I, I, and I, then it collapsed? No. Yeah. <laughs> My prayers are answered. <laughs> I got on the stage. I was singing a Damien Rice song. Do you know, are you familiar with mm -hmm. Damien Rice? I was singing a Damien Rice song called Amy. And I was singing it with a girl. That was in my class. Sinead was her name. And I remember practicing with her, and I remember I remembered enjoying the process of rehearsing. And then I remember going out on stage with her, and I strummed the first note of the, the guitar, which I think was an A minor, and I strummed the A minor, and it came out like crap. It was just <laughs> six string guitar. Four of them were out of tune drastically. Nowadays, you would you know you would say, "Oh, excuse me," and you do relative tuning, and you mm -hmm. you get it back, you know. But that's what I would do now, and I and I kind of I, I enjoy that now. But this is this is the first time. Yeah. So I I instead of saying, "Oh, sorry," I just went on with the song. So I played an entire song with. An, an extremely out of tune guitar and I could see people in the crowd looking at each other going is this 
normal? Is there something? And I and I remember the girl beside me that was singing Sinead. She kept kicking me on the foot to stop, and and I got more. I got a, a sick feeling in my stomach that uh, this is really really bad. I, I wasn't concerned too much because I knew it was only a Christmas concert, but I was like, well, you know, it's I, I so it, I'll always remember it because it is the middle stage of the three stages for me. Not being able to play and not remembering, learning how to play. Knowing the chords but not having the confidence to play or even the confidence to stop and tune up. Right. And then being in a position where I remember playing and having a lot of confidence. uh, An absolute huge amount of confidence. Okay, before you go there, you walk off the stage from this Christmas concert with a very out-of-tune guitar and probably a very out-of-tune song or performance. Yeah. How are you feeling at that moment? Um, I was relieved it was over. And then I, I remember my mother, a teacher at the school, went up and told my mother that uh, I could sing very well. I remember my sisters telling my mother, uh, Joseph can really sing. Because apparently my mother, when she heard I was doing the Christmas concert, she was more nervous than I was. You know, she's like, why, why is he doing that? He hasn't got a note in his head, like, you know. And, <laughs> You know, so he's, so, he's had no that, interest. The fact that she didn't even know that you could sing meant that you weren't singing around the house all the time. Well, I, I used to... So for the rehearsals, my sisters would hear me in school sing and they would go home and say, he can actually sing. And I remember that being a thing, which was a nice break from he won't stop playing Nirvana smells like Team Spirit. Like, you know, so, um, yeah... So, what was the question? I just want, so when you walked off the stage, how did you feel? Um, I, I felt, uh, I, I felt like I, 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 I could have done better. Um, but you weren't horrified. This didn't stop you. No, I mean, I, 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 I didn't have a great time in school. Um, I wasn't bullied or anything. I just, I didn't enjoy it. There was nothing. I I I probably spent a, a good bit of time out of school making up excuses as to why I'm going. I wasn't. I wasn't interested in it at all. Um, and but I remember that one period of time of rehearsing and playing as a time that I really enjoyed that school. When I drive past that school now, I get this weird feeling of a, it's a place I didn't enjoy going. Mm. Uh, I didn't make too many good lifelong friends. In fact, I don't think I talked to anyone from the school still. But I do remember that small time when I just went into that school. And I remember that small segment of maybe three weeks before the Christmas concert and the Christmas concert as being something that I really enjoyed. And that was down to finally having a guitar in my hand and saying, OK, I can, I can even if it's out of tune, I can use it. Like, you know, and, and I think I enjoyed the attention of it as well. Um, so even though it didn't go as... Well, as you thought. No, it didn't, but the, the following year, when I said I wanted to play and sing, there was no, he can't sing. They knew I could sing. Right. I sent, my voice sounded okay. And I mean, it's amazing my voice sounded okay against an out of tune guitar, but uh, I, I, at that stage, I had more confidence to. I was more, I remember sending my guitar away to be restrung. I remember my sister had a friend who could restring a guitar on me organizing to get a, a taxi somewhere so that this guy could take the guitar take the strings off and now that is baffling because it's such a it's such a normal thing for a guitarist to do is to take the strings off but uh but back then back then 
back then it was. So the second time I did it, I, I had a lot more confidence. Uh, I enjoyed it. And did you know that this is what you wanted to do? I, I yeah, I, 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 my confidence at that stage was pretty high, and it never really shrunk. Um, what I used to do, you, you were asking me, you said, um, so your mother was surprised that you mm -hmm. sung, so that means you weren't doing much singing, and I wasn't. I remember one time I was, I, I must have been seven or eight years old, and I remember singing in my bedroom, and my dad opening up the door and hearing me, and I remember that being the most terrifying, terrifying, thing. embarrassing thing. I just felt so upset, and I've never talked to him about it, but I, I, I bet he remembers it. I can't. I think I, it must. I mean, it was probably even a Britney Spears song I was singing or something like. You know, it was something weird, like you know, because I wasn't like a virtuoso like Bob Dylan or whatever, like you know. So, I. What what I used to do, is I used to. Stay home. My 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 mom and dad are great. They were always looking to take the kids out on trips, and and they still they do it. They did anything for the kids, and they still do anything for the kids and grandkids. They're they're very giving people, like you know, mm -hmm. um, like my mother. My mother didn't have the means to go out and spend money on a a musical instrument for me. I'm I'm not talking like it wasn't like Angela's Ashes in Ireland at that right, stage, right. you know, but. <laughs> It wasn't like disposable income, um, but yeah, no, she did. She bought she bought me the guitar. But what I used to do was, I used to pretend that I was not feeling well whenever my mom and dad was taking the girls out, and I used to run up to the top room in the house and I used to look out the window and I used to wait to see my family car leave the driveway with everyone in it. And then it would drive around the corner and I would run to the window at the back of the house and I would wait for my car to go to the top of the road and turn the corner and go. And then what I used to do was I used to go downstairs and I used to pull down all the blinds, the curtains, and I used to stand on the kitchen table and I would put on Freddie Mercury, the song Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And I would try and hit every single note that Freddie Mercury was singing in Barcelona, which was just... <laughs> you know, it probably sounded terrible, but I remember I would do that a lot. I would practice to sing. I remember the bathroom downstairs had a really, really nice echo, and I remember going in there and trying to sing some old Irish songs, some Luke Kelly songs, and and then one Halloween or something, the next door neighbor says, "Oh, we always hear you singing," and I remember that resetting me back on. Oh my God! So people were listening. You know, so, um. They knew I, I had an interest in I, I, I had an interest in music. Do you think I mean is it fair to ask where that comes from? I don't know because it's not music wasn't front and center in our house. Right. My dad was always interested in music, but he stuck to one band. He he didn't have seven or eight groups of people that he would play around the house. It was always a band called Squeeze. Oh yeah. You know Squeeze. Great. Yeah yeah. Um. So I kind of got, I, I didn't see them as a musical thing. I saw that as something that reminded me of my dad. You know, my dad would always have it on. Uh, we weren't exposed to too much music. My older sister had violin lessons once and she, she could play the violin. And I remember going to see her in a play. She was in Fiddler on the Roof and she was the main violin player. But she never stuck to it. And I think if you gave her a violin now, she wouldn't know how to play it. So that, that seemed like it was a two or three year thing. So right. 
music wasn't huge in the house. But I, I, I got in, I got into writing. I got, I got into writing little stories and, and. So, are you playing mainly Irish folk tunes? Well, at this point. <clears throat> so I, I would, I would have started off with a, ba a I would have started off with the likes of singer songwriters, Damien, like Damien Rice. Mm -hmm. um, I remember my older sister was into Damien Rice, and I remember taking a CD of his. I think it was called The Story of O or something. And I remember listening to the CD and going, okay, I, I, this this is doable. I, I can play these songs. Uh, and I remember... Sorry, what age are you at this point? I would say, I would say about 12. I'd say shortly after getting a guitar. I would avoid any song that was complicated. Mm -hmm. If a song had an A minor in it, and especially if it was out of tune, I was your man, you know. Um, so I would play the song that I, I, I thought was easy um, and I, 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 I didn't deviate away from, from him for a while. And then I, f through Damien Rice I found a band called The Frames which was headed by a guy called Glenn Hansard. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so his original band. Right. And then I became obsessed with that band. Um, and, and that kind of song. How much exposure did you have live music? Uh, none, very, very little. The f one of the first concerts I ever went to was The Frames in Dublin, and that was after already liking Damien Rice. And, um, but what, what, ha what happened was, I, I, somewhere along the lines, I got exposed to Bob Dylan. Um, I think I was watching a documentary on Irish television about Liam Clancy of the Clancy Brothers. And I wasn't interested in Irish music at this stage. I was still interested in the kind of contemporary Irish singer-songwriter, you know, the one that was... Um, but on this documentary with Liam Clancy, Bob Dylan was featured in it. And I remember just hearing his voice and I remember being instantly like, okay, this is not... The polished kind of voice of Damien Rice or whatever or something yeah. so um, that's when that's when everything really really started when as soon as I got into Bob Dylan it opened up everything and then you started writing your own stuff I started writing my own stuff and the style of Bob Dylan I, I, I used to try and take myself very 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 seriously um, I'm, I'm I'm writing songs since I would say properly writing songs since I was 16 years old I, I every now and again I find something that I I wrote and I, I read it and it's cringeworthy because it was it was a kid who had an idea that he was you know but it was too much copying someone else. Yeah. Um, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. Even though your guitar playing happened. My guitar playing <laughs> happened. I I was gifted by God a very basic knowledge of guitar, and I think it's something that was given to me so that I could have a future, a wife, you know, a, a, a means to earn. Because um, I, I tried other stuff when I was a little bit older. I, tried, I, I did apprentice electrician for a while and that just drove me crazy. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't enjoy it. Um, even going to college, when I was going to college, I didn't enjoy the process of waking up at eight o'clock to go into college. And, you know, it's just, right. I, I, I knew I always wanted to, to perform in music. So I believe that 
I was lucky enough to have music at a basic level given to me. Um, so you start writing songs. Are you thinking that you want to be a recording musician? Are you thinking? I, I, I wanted to be the Irish Bob Dylan. <laughs> okay. Like I, and it sounds, and I've, I've only had the confidence now to say that because it sounds so stupid and so, you know, but I, I did, when I was younger, I, I, I wrote some serious, serious stuff. It, it wasn't, I love her, she loves me, we're going to be happy forever, you know, it's until something, I was writing really, really serious stuff. Like at the age of 16 years old, I was making up songs about the famine in Ireland. I was making up a story about a man going away you know, on, on a ship and realising that it wasn't worth leaving who, who he left at home, you know, and, and I, I was writing songs about people who were holding instruments that didn't deserve to hold, hold instruments. I remember seeing a friend of mine had an inst had a guitar strapped around her shoulder and I remember, I, kn I knew her, I knew she didn't play the guitar, but it would irritate me where she would go and get a photo shoot with a guitar strapped around her and she didn't put any effort into learning it or she didn't you know, she just couldn't play it. So I remember writing this vicious song, you know, really vicious song, you know, about strapping a false tool around your chest and, you know, and like a really, really, really bad, bad song. And I remember writing a song about the world going topsy-turvy because this one person existed. And the lyrics that were coming out were just, you know. Why do you think you were so serious? I was listening to a lot of Bob Dylan. And I, I thought that, that you had to say something, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, he's got a sense of humour. He has this? a sense of humour, but I, I, I didn't catch on to that until I was much older. And, and I, Were you a serious person? Like, were you... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, really. I sometimes still am. I sometimes still have to try and... I, I, Olivia is helping me in that way. Okay, but when I see you on stage, you're just full of laughs. I enjoy... I mean, you have I, I enjoy, a great sense of humour. I enjoy controlling a room. I, I know what works and what doesn't work. So tell me about the process of learning that craft. Because obviously if you're writing very serious songs, and I don't know when you start playing live and if you played well, these serious songs live or not. No, I, I never played. I, I, I would give these songs to people and they would say they're, they're, they're good and they would play the songs and I, I, I didn't know how it worked. I knew I, I could write a really good song. I didn't know how to do anything about it. And I was never told how to do anything about it. Um, so I, I never got to play the songs live. But I had hype start to build up. When I was around 17, 18, I had a little bit of hype. I had newspaper. I was on radio, local radio. And I was in a newspaper article for the Irish Times saying, take these songs it's un it's unusual to hear these lyrics coming from someone of this age. So how, are they seeing you live and seeing this, or did you have a recording they, at they, this point? I, I sent them recordings. Okay. Very, very basic recordings, right. very, very basic recordings. Um, and they said you were, like, the most promising I, artist. In two, I forget when it was, 2012, I think I was... There was a band called The Villagers came out, and they were quite big in Ireland at the time. They, they still doing very, very well. And Tony Clayton Lee of the Irish Times said I was number one out of ten acts to look for in the future coming out of Ireland. Um, so because you were opening up for them, or like I was just be literally because of the music I sent him. He was kind of surprised by what was on it. Um, 
How much live are you doing? How live performances I'm, are you doing? I'm, I'm playing in a pub doing cover songs to get 50 euro or 100 euro because I had no income at all. Right. It was for beer money. And in an Irish bar when you're playing rowdy, upbeat songs and then you say, okay, this next song is one of my own songs and it's about how people just don't listen to me. You know, it's kind of like it's... <laughs> It doesn't fill you with confidence when you have people saying, no, 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 stick to what you're doing. So I kind of, I, I wrote off the coattails of that article for a while. So what did that article mean to you? Um, more work. Because I could go to a pub and say I was just featured in the Irish Times. But could you play your original songs? I, I, they wouldn't stop me, but it wouldn't go well. And yeah. I definitely wouldn't go back. I was in the wrong places, you know. And then, so how are you viewing this? Now you're being recognized for your songwriting, but you can't really play those songs. Yeah. And you're playing cover songs only. Yeah. Or, or people reacting differently to your songs versus the covers. So what, how does that make you feel as an artist? Well, I started to get really good at doing cover songs. And I started to get really good at making a night in a bar an enjoyable night. I remember one bar off off the Irish Times article says we'll give you work would you like to play in the bar and I said yes and they had me in every Saturday of the month I was there every single Saturday and I was playing for 200 euro which to me was amazing to have 200 euro in the week and, and guarantee it every single week and then and so at this point are you thinking this is what I'm going to do for my living no this this is it was only, the only way I could make money I, I had nothing absolutely zero and I I my family, I don't come from a very wealthy family, you know, so um, I was just happy to get the work. I was very, very happy to get the work. And my dad would always say, you know, you, you need money. You need to go and get money. Um, and so this bar that was giving me work for four Saturdays of the month came up to me and says, we had a few guests saying that it's too much of the same stuff, so we're going to have to drop you down to two Saturdays of the... And I'm like, okay... So I take the two Saturdays and I try and get work elsewhere, but it's for less money, so I'm down money. And then that bar comes back and says, look, we found these other guys, so we're going to give you one Saturday of the month, and then it's, we're going to give you one Saturday for two months. So, and then I'm trying to fill out, and then for the first time in a while, I have a Saturday and Sunday where I'm not earning money, and Monday to Friday where I'm not en earning anything and spending. Like, you know. um, so what I, I used to do is I used to go and see these people play, and I used to say, whatever they're doing, I'm going to do something different. So I would see the guy sit down, the acoustic guitar over his back. He'd put the acoustic guitar on and he'd be sat down and he would play. And I would say, right, whenever I'm playing music, I'm not going to sit down. And there's no percussion, so I'm going to, I'm going to stamp my foot as loud as I can and get percussion out of it. And, uh, harmonica. Right. I need a harmonica brace so I can add something else to it. Um, they're not doing any real Irish. That they're playing Coldplay songs. Nothing against Coldplay or whatever, but you know, if if people are in the car, going to work every morning and they're hearing a Taylor Swift song, the last thing they want to do is go out to a bar and and hear someone do an amateur version of a song they've heard sixty right. times a week. But that was my opinion. I might be wrong on it, but so I I would stick to. I I gathered a catalog. catalog if I looked at my catalogue of music when I first started off doing the covers in the pubs, I would have the likes of David Gray, I would have Coldplay, I would have The Verve, 
what's some weird like I, I used to do a ver- like a cover of Outcast Hey Ya and it was just so typical of what people doing that day every every bar you would go into you would see a, you know a, a guy with a guitar doing Hey Ya or but do you think that's is it because people want that I'm sure they do. Yeah. I'm sure they do. But I knew that I wanted to do something a little bit different. And that's when I would do... I started to build my catalogue of beloved Irish songs. Like, absolutely. Like, the old triangle, where you put the guitar down and you sing it a cappella. Mm-hmm. And, and you get the whole room just... And I'm like, okay, that, that, was, that was a good block of four songs. When I did four, When I did these four songs, the crowd weren't talking to each other they were singing those four songs they're locked in now what's similar to this and then I would do my David Gray and everything else but I would slowly take a David Gray song out for a song called um, Dublin in the Rare Old Times which is about Dublin City changing and I would get a demographic of people that I never got before which was 60 and above in the, in the pub so the kids in the pub might not be happy with it but they're going to be in the pub anyway because they were drinking and having a good time but I finally got that demographic of 60, 55, 50, 60 and above who would go, God, this, this guy is doing Dublin in the rare old times and you don't hear that in all the pubs. You might hear it in a few. Right. But I wouldn't just sing them. I knew that I had to come out of my shoes when I sang them. Like, you know, I knew I had to give absolute passion to them. Like, um, And that's what people started to know when they were... I was starting to get more invitations to go play in places during St. Patrick's Day because they wanted Irish music on St. Patrick's Day. And then I just became known as the the guy who did obscure Johnny Cash songs. But someone, you know, right. someone would someone would go, oh, I, I haven't heard that in such a long, long time. Like, you know, and it's not like, oh, I heard a guy sang that in the pub two Saturdays ago or whatever, you know. Um, so I, I, I always learned how to modify and mould. And then what happened was I decided what I was going to do as well is I wasn't just going to say this next song is and play the song and then say thank you very much, this next song is and play the song and then say... I always want to talk to people and I, I never want to talk to people in a crowd like they're hearing the same stuff that the last person heard, you know. Sometimes it works great. Sometimes it doesn't work at all because... You just say the most random things. Right. How long, how long did it take for you to kind of, from that time when you had the four weeks, four Saturdays, to down to one every two months, to building yourself up again, and then realizing this is now the show that I'm really happy with? When I, when I, when every, when I, when I zoned in on what I liked, I used to be very happy to, to sing certain songs. I, w- I would enjoy them. I, I would enjoy the tempo and the beat of them and, and a, a lot of the songs in the pubs are successful if they have I, I, I always say that if I just play as fast if I play one chord as fast as I can and keep kicking the ground as fast as I can people in the pub are happy they just want something fast up tempo and what I knew when I would say I'm doing a, a, a slower song a ballad and the crowd were unhappy with it then I knew that I didn't want to play there anymore. I wanted to go to these pubs that had a, an older demographic of people who would appreciate the songs. And, that's, and, and, and that's are these people a, li- a listening crowd? Is it a listening room, or are, you, are there people talking in the background? It's a pub where there's not where they're allowed to 
I'll give you an example. At one stage, I was working in a pub in a place called Drogheda, and I was working in a place called Ravensdale. They were 30 minutes apart from each other. About 45 minutes apart from each other. But the pub in Drogheda, I would have to go in and I would have to do songs that I didn't like as fast as I could because you had people from the age of 18 to 35 standing in front of you waiting to dance. And if you said that you were going to do anything, it was considered self-indulgent and they would kind of roll their eyes at you if you wanted to do a meaningful song. The next night I would go to Ravensdale and I would play in a pub and I would play a song like Ralph McTell's Streets of London and I would have people at the bar turn around and sing the song and, and really think about it and I would have grown men crying when I sang a song because they haven't heard it and because of the passion that I try I try to genuinely put in it I don't want to come across as I'm I'm scrunching my face up because I think it, I, yeah. I think it looks I have to really feel for the song so at that time if one bar call up and says would you like to play? And the other bar called up and says, would you like to play? I'm going to go towards what I enjoyed most. And that was me being able to take a, a love of those songs. And eventually I got rid of all the places that I didn't like playing. And I was lucky, very, very lucky to have enough places to make somewhat of, it wasn't a living, beer money. I can only call it beer money. But, in the, but I was feeling more confident. I, I knew when I went on a stage somewhere and I was going to play for someone I, I, I was the most confident person I, I always said that if I can go my whole life with a guitar strapped around and I didn't have to talk to anyone but I could sing to them instead of talking that I would be so successful because my confidence level at that stage was just huge absolutely huge I would have people in petrol stations come up to me as I'm filling up a car with petrol and say oh I, I saw you last week and my grandfather used to sing that song to me and I just, Luke Kelly would be proud of you from the Dubliners, he would be proud of your song. And I'd kind of go, all right, I'm liking this. Like, you know, we kind of, uh, and the key for that was to always be genuine and not take it for advantage, not play the role of somebody who really enjoy these kind of songs. So I would, yeah, I think that's, that's the lead up. It would be Bob Dylan, listening to Bob Dylan, trying to say something and then finding songs that actually meant something and then zoning into them. Okay, so now you're at a point in your career. What age are you at? So I'm about um, 20, 24. No, no, no. About tw yeah, about 24, 23, 24. So now you're getting to the point where you have you're confident you're doing this show you have this repertoire of songs are you writing at all are you writing any originals uh, I'm, I'm i'm so i'm i'm still writing but that's around this time is just just before i went to to travel um i got involved with a, a, a manager uh so i i i got there's a there's a, a book called the hot press magazine yearbook that's released every year in Ireland and it has the name and email of every manager of everyone who's in the charts at the moment so you can go down and you say I like a guy called Christy Moore you would find Christy Moore's name and then underneath his name you would find his manager and his manager's details so I filled out a hundred email addresses and I sent them the same email and six songs and I got a few people coming back to me um, 
but it was always, oh, I need you to put 5,000 euro into this before I even talk to you. And I, I'm, and I had so many people say, don't do that, don't do that. And I found one guy who says, can we meet up in a hotel? I'm not going to say his name, but can we meet up in a hotel um, for a coffee? I want to I want to chat to you. And I went. My family are all so excited. They think that this is it. Like, you know, it's. So, and what are you thinking that this will result in? Recording just, just, a tour? Just knowing what to do with what I had. Okay. Just having some kind of guidance. Right. My dad is my dad is great for me because he always he was he was always looking for new pubs for me to play in. But my dad never really understood that that's I don't I, I didn't want to be thirty or thirty five or forty years old and still playing in a bar to a bunch of eighteen year olds. That's not creatively. It might be good to always have money right. coming so in. If I was to ask you at that point, if that's not what you wanted, what is it that you wanted to do? I wanted to write, record, and sell music. Okay. That's and then, were you thinking, like, were you basically playing in Dublin, or were you traveling uh, a lot? So, when I was playing in the bars? Yeah. Anywhere that would have me. Anywhere that would take me. What does that mean, though? Like, was that basically in Dublin, or were you all over Ireland? And Out mostly in, just at the county north of Dublin, County Meath. Uh, some places in North County Dublin. Sometimes... I would go into Dublin city centre on a, a bus with a mic stand and a guitar and and perform there. Um, if there was ever a, for example, my dad works for a bus company in Ireland, one of the national bus companies, and whenever a driver was retiring, they would ask me to go and play for the the big farewell party and stuff right. and whatever. But I mean, it was it was bad money, but it was regular it was regular bad money. And I was happy. I was happy to do it for the money, but I became less and less confident in what I was. I was like, "Well, what's the point in writing a song? If I write a song, I'm very, very happy about." I let my family hear it. They go, "Oh, that's nice, yeah, yeah." And then it gets put away, and I go out and do covers for crap, crap money, you know. Right, right. So I met this guy in the hotel. He says, I, "I'm, I, I love what you do, and I'm interested in working with you." And I says, "Oh, well." great what what do I do he says well you need to get a solicitor and you need to look over this contract and you need to sign the contract if you want to work with me we'll he was saying that uh, he, he has a direction he sees me going in a kind of a Dave Matthews kind of direction I, I didn't really agree with that because I didn't know Dave Matthews I'm still not massively aware of I, I know that Dave Matthews songs but I'm not sure what he was getting at right. but I was happy I went into Dublin I found a solicitor, I sat down, I said, is this a legitimate contract? The solicitor read out everything and just overly excited, straight away I signed it. Um, brought it back to this guy. This guy signed his side and he says, great. So he put me in touch with his personal assistant. So I went home and her name was Cindy or something. And I remember getting a call off Cindy and... and I was like, okay, so this is the first step of the being managed right. process. I'm getting a call from someone's assistant. This is legit. And I pick up the phone, and it was an American accent on the phone. I was like, oh my god, like I, I've never heard an American before. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> this is like the movies, you know. Right. And she's like, hi, is this Joe? And I was like, yeah, hi, this is Cindy. I'm here to look after you, and if anything, you. Thanks very much. Brilliant, brilliant. So, the guy said, look, we need to start off slow. I have a few gigs for you and I'm thinking well great but they were in dingy pubs 
for the same amount of money that I was just doing. So I was just sharing. So I would go and I would play for three and a half hours cover songs to a bunch of people drinking heavily. I was getting 150 euro and now having to give that money to this guy. And I'm thinking, is this, what's... He was saying, it's very, very temporary. Well, I'm working on this, I'm working on this, I'm working on this. So he eventually got me to open up for an act called Don Baker, who's a very good harmonica player, one of the best harmonica players, and uh, a singer called Gemma Hayes, who's an Irish uh, girl. Uh, She was popular, still is, but I would open up for these acts without having any accompanying musicians to do the songs that I wrote. Right. And, I, and I had no confidence doing those songs live. So I would open up for these acts by doing well-known cover songs. So that went nowhere. So the guy says, okay, well, what we need to do is we need to get you into a recording studio. We need to get your stuff recorded. We then need to find a big group of musicians and we need to sell, sell, sell this, sell, sell, sell. I says, okay. He says, I need you to get 2,000 euro into my bank account by the end of tomorrow to pay for the recording studio. It's a very tight place, but this is a great place to be. And I, my, my late grandfather gave me a bit of money. My parents gave me everything they could afford to give me. I, I, did, like, I, I did gigs with an advanced payment. I would say, I'm going to pl- play for you for the next three months but can I get the payment now? And I guarantee it's in. So they would say, okay. And I got 2,000 euro and I went into the bank with my mother and I put the the money into the bank. Uh, My mother was there. She took out a little bit of money from her account and topped it up. So anyway, called up this guy. He says, the money's in your account. He says, okay, great. Here's the address. Tomorrow I need you to go here and, and wait for me. And I got in the car. My mother again, because of course I couldn't afford a car, I couldn't afford petrol, like you know, I couldn't. Um, so I would drive, my mother would drop me off at this house in the middle of nowhere, and it was surrounded by fields, and it had a garage out the back. And I went up, and there was a tiny sign on the garage door saying recording studio, it was written in pen almost like you know it was, mm. it was so but I opened up and when I walked on the inside of this place there was a, a producer there sat down and the place was so well equipped it was an amazing looking room so I was confident that this was legit right. I talked to the producer the producer introduced himself he says I'm I'm blown away by the songs I think they're really raw and really edgy and I, and I like that they're not typical and I like I, I want the lyrics to really pop out and stand out so we're talking and, and, and he's saying, okay, well, how about putting this screaming guitar underneath this? And I'm like, well, I'm not really used to, I'm used to acoustic guitars. I'm not used to, yeah. and I love ballads and this is far away from what I want to do. But I said, okay, okay. So my manager came in and my manager was an ex-drummer. And my manager was talking about the drum tracks that were on top of the, the songs that we just recorded. And the producer was looking more and more irritated. This went on for about two and a half hours. And it then went on every day for about four days. And on the last day, my manager 
says, I'm just going out to get a coffee. Do you want anything? We said, no, I'm fine. So he left and the producer says, can I be honest with you about something? And I said, yes. He says, your manager shouldn't be here. He, it should be a process between me and you. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you're not happy with what we're putting down, but that's because he's putting pressure on you to make it sound more rocky. More Dave Matthews. I says, yeah, no, I understand, I understand. Well, he says, look, I'm, I'm doing this as a favour to him. Especially, I'm doing this for free. I says, well, I, I gave 2,000 euro for this. And he says, well, I don't know where that went. So this was the final day. And a couple of days after that, we got, I got the CD and a, a huge box was delivered to the front and we had the CD with the songs on it. And I went to call my manager to say they've arrived and what next and I couldn't get through to him. I sent an email, I couldn't get an email. Apparently, the assistant that was calling, the American assistant, was his girlfriend. The girlfriend wasn't allowed to stay in Ireland and she was sent back to America. So, the manager decided to go to America with her and dropped everything. With your money? With my money. And held me in a three-year contract. And I went to his solicitors and I says, look, given the circumstances, can I break this? It says I can't release anything unless he gets money for it. I can't do anything unless. And the, the solicitor said that that's what it is. You have to. So that crippled me. Were you happy at all with the recording you did? No. I, and I'm still not. I listen to it now. I remember playing it for Olivia when I first met Olivia. And Olivia kind of was like, this is not you. It's not good. The lyrics are still there and the lyrics are still good. But it was for me to perform these songs, I would have had to have seven or eight musicians behind me, and that's not what I wanted. I want to be able to go in with an acoustic guitar and sing something meaningful, you know. Um, so I was held up for three years, and and I didn't write a single song for the three years because I I didn't want to. I was so I had such a bad taste. Yeah, and rightly so. But I was so upset. So are you now not playing music at all, and creating creating music? Yeah, so at this period, what are you doing? Are you doing any gigs? Are you... For live music? Um, or are you going to becoming an electrician? Yeah. <laughs> um, so when, when myself and Olivia finally got work... Sorry, but this is before Olivia. Yeah, so this was before, this was just before Olivia. Oh, okay. Just before Olivia. So one of the only things I could do was to leave the country to play music, to, to make money, and it wouldn't affect the contract that I was held on for three years. Um, and that's why I applied to go to Disney Cruise Lines. Okay, so tell me about, I understand that's, that's the reason, but tell me about the thinking process of, I just got screwed, I need another way out. Oh, Disney Cruise. Like, how does that happen? How do you find out? Well, all the places I was playing in Ireland before, my, the manager was aware of. And right. I, I didn't want him to call up these places and say, by the way, legally, this guy is not allowed to play unless he's given me a cut of the money or whatever. So I didn't. I, I was kind of stuck for places to right. play okay. in case. I'm sure he wouldn't have done that. I'm sure he didn't care less, but I didn't want to risk that. Um, I, just, I, just, I just knew that with the contract, it wasn't... And, for international waters wouldn't wouldn't apply to it or you know I just knew that he wouldn't be able to find if I went on a cruise line right. he could find if I went somewhere in America 
social media or whatever he could find if I went anywhere else. Um, but how did you come up with the idea of going on a cruise line? My father. My father okay. told me. My father read something because my father was my unofficial manager. He turned out to be a better manager than the other guy because he was constantly and still is to this day. He's sending me stuff now saying, just thought you might be interested in this. Mm-hmm. Now, it is all regarding doing cover work and, you know, it's, it's nothing create, creative. And my mom, my mom and dad from an early age have always worked very, very hard. They still to this day wake up at six o'clock in the morning and don't come back until seven o'clock. They're work orientated, you know, and so for them, it's all about always having consistent money in and they won't really ever understand the need for creativity to be um, rewarded just as much as getting monetary reward. You know, it's kind of if I I said to them, by the way, I'm not going to earn any money for the next three months when I was younger. Now, I mean, I'm a married man. I can do what I want. But back then I I couldn't say I'm going to go off for three months and put, I'm going to sit in a field somewhere and think thoughts about songs, you know, they're going to be like, what are you going to do? Like, go out and earn money. Like, you know, yeah. it's going to, and I, I respect that because it taught me a lot about, uh, you know, when you find a job, be happy for it, you know, but, um, so that's why I went, I went to Disney because my father said, look, it's, it's money. It's not going to affect the contract. I think they were aware that how, how unhappy, it was a very unhappy time for me. I was, mm-hmm. Without yeah, I was like very very depressed, very 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 upset. I I, w- I had to go to counselling sessions and stuff, and like I was so upset. I couldn't believe that a human being could do that to someone young. Right. Uh, I lost all confidence in everything that I had that was mine. My own work. I di- I didn't I I I didn't like it, and I didn't like the process of I didn't like the process of sitting down with a pen and paper and saying, I'm going to write a song today. I, I, what I started to do was I started to see myself third person. And I used to kind of almost insult myself as I was doing it. I was like, yeah, look at you. Look, you're, oh, you're, you're so intelligent. Look at you. You're spreading your thoughts. You know, it's, it's kind of like I didn't, I didn't enjoy the process of writing. I didn't enjoy the po- process of creating. I didn't enjoy that what I had was not useful. I found like it was a huge amount of time and effort was put into what I had and now they were considered absolutely useless. So you make a decision to go audition or whatever one does for Disney. Yeah. Are you happy with playing Irish songs or other people's cover songs? I was happy to travel for the first time. I was happy to see something that wasn't the pubs in Ireland over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I was happy to be part of a company I considered Disney to and still do consider Disney to like a major company and mm-hmm. I work for that major company so I used to not even say I'm a musician on Disney Cruise Lines I used to say I work for Disney people go oh well you know and I kind of like that f- the first feeling of having a proper job I enjoy that um, and and tell me about the idea of playing on a cruise it's in the beginning it was difficult because I was used to dealing with predominantly rooms full of Irish people that I could connect with and I I couldn't really like I said when I heard the accent from the girl calling me it was kind of like oh, this is like I've never heard like no American has ever talked to me before <laughs> like you know and I hate for it to sound like I'm, I'm from like a tiny little village where we still collect the hay in Ireland like you know but it's kind of you don't meet many people from America so when I was there and 
there was these officers in their white suits and stripes talking to me in an American accent saying, you know, and, and I, I enjoyed being part of the team, but the crowds I was playing to didn't, they didn't know the songs I was playing because I didn't have what I now call the switch. For me now, the switch is when I'm in Ireland, I switch to Irish mode and I play the Irishy stuff. When I'm playing in front of Americans, I switch and I play the American stuff. When I play in front of Canadians, I switch and I do the Canadian stuff. Right. You know, unfortunately, we don't have any Brazilian at the moment, but we're like, you know, it's kind of. Um, so I have that. I I didn't have that switch. I had my catalogue of songs that I was so proud of, saying, "Look at me singing all these meaningful songs," and then I put them in front of a room that wanted Sweet Caroline. And I'm like, "Oh, okay." But that switch comes from experience. Yeah, I had to learn all over again how to control a room. Right. And I, I presume that there is a positive and a negative to playing on a cruise in that it's a captive market in some ways. But I mean, they also come, you know, it's not, they well, come they, to you expecting entertainment. It's not like they come so that they can talk at the back of the bar and yeah, just yeah. talk. And well, what I, know, what I noticed was me talking to them was enough entertainment. Right. You know, they were so, oh, my, my grandfather's Irish and I'm Irish and I'm 116th Irish. And I kind of played on that a little bit. Like, you know, I, I noticed my accent being turned way up when I was, when I was performing, you know. It was like, oh, hell he is, oh, hell he is, you know. Um, okay. Totally aside, but yeah. I have to ask this. You have an accent. When you decide to do cover songs, yeah, you don't sing with an accent. No. And most people don't. No, no. How much of a conscious effort is that? Um, I, d I don't put thought into it too much. But from the so very mo moment you said, I'm going to learn a Billy Joel song, I got to lose the accent. And when you heard, for example, when you heard, you've heard me do a Billy Joel yeah, song. Yeah. Do I don't have an accent when no. I sing it? Not at all? Uh, maybe a little bit, but it's... I, I think I, I'm, I'm very good at impressions, and I always have been. So when I know a song, I try and not emulate but my voice naturally goes to the, the tone of the, the singer when I'm doing a Johnny Cash song I, my voice tries to go to that kind of gravelly dirt I, I can pick out little tiny flavors in someone's voice and I can kind of hone in on that flavor and, and I don't know the flavor is not the right word um, and technique's not the right word they would have uh, if a singer was known to have a bit of grit mm -hmm. in his voice he wasn't a polished singer I would try and emphasize the grit in the voice, and I think that's where my accent might come down a little bit. But is that an easy thing for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. completely, yeah, yeah. So now, when I, even when I'm singing Gordon Lightfoot songs, right? There's a there's a there's a, a tone in Gordon's voice. It goes, it's kind of up there, you know. It's kind of, yeah. and it's warm. And I will never, you know, that. Da, da. And I remember when I first hit that note, I was like, and I will never be set free. And I was like, oh, okay. And then that slowly got better and better and better. And it, to be honest, I had to try and stop myself from doing an impression of the people I was. Right. You know, my Johnny Cash should never be an impression of Johnny Cash. And my Gordon Lightfoot should never be an impression of Gordon Lightfoot. But I just naturally start to go to those sounds in their voice. Okay, so how do you... As somebody who used to write songs, and I don't know if you still do. Just re recent, very recently. Okay, so as somebody who's actively written songs for many years, mm. um, there's a, that's a craft in itself, a difficult craft, but also playing other people's material, learning that and executing it in such a way 
What's the difference between those two disciplines for you? Um, being, for, for me, doing a song justice in a room with someone who loves the music is important to me. When I have someone who comes up and says that they, um, they love a, a Neil Young song, or if they love a Tom Waits song, and it's something that they haven't heard in a while, and they come up and they, they are emotional about it. Um, like even there's a guy called Finbar Fury, and we sing a song called Sweet Sixteen, which some Americans know has been this really, really old song that this artist kind of took and changed. And, and it's a beloved song in Ireland. And I remember singing it recently to a bunch of Americans and it's about a man who loved this woman since the two of them were 16 years old out in the green in front of the house, you know? And it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, and I would, I, for me, it's when people come up and say, my mother used to sing that song. I used, I, that, that makes me go, ah. Oh. You know, that's what I enjoy. Um, in terms of, Writing and creating music as a comparison. I, I do I do one of my original songs for Irish. We have an Irish night on board, mm -hmm. which we're actually doing tonight. And I do one of my original songs in that because it fits very well. It's a, it's a, a song about Ireland. Um, I used to not introduce the song as my own as a way of testing its worth. And when I got a round of applause, I was happy to introduce it as my own. I have been holding on to songs I wrote when I was 16, 17 and 18 up until very recently. And even that song that I will do tonight, I, I wrote when I was 17 years old. And I started to not consider myself a songwriter anymore because a songwriter is someone who always thinks about the process of songwriting and is always changing their songwriting and is always actively working to write a song and it's it was years and years and years of not doing that that I just if someone says are you a songwriter I might say yes I wrote these songs but I'd be pulling these songs out from my teenage years you know and I kind of feel like I'm cheating the word songwriter okay so you what know? made you start writing again recently um not caring about where the songs went I I, I, I would listen to I came up with this saying called, all bone, no chicken. And in my mind that works because it's like, if you hold a drum, a drumstick up and that drumstick stick is a song, you have the bone in the middle of the meat and that's what you're trying to get at. Right. And anything that's unnecessary is just chicken slapped onto the top of that, like, you know? So when I say all bone, no chicken, when I was younger, all the stuff I was trying to say, it, there was some really, really good stuff, but it was surrounded by a lot of crap that I thought people would just be impressed by. Right. I was trying to be clever with words, and and only recently I wrote a song called So So, and literally there's so little lyrics in it, but the one line in it was, you were so good and I was so so. And it was so quick, you know, but it's such a simple song. And mm -hmm. But it, I, my knowledge to now give the listener something that they can, they can use in their mind to fit their story around it, as opposed to 
overloading with information about this is what I think and this is what's in the song and keep listening to this and wait for this and isn't this clever now listen to this I'm an I great listen to this and isn't um, I'm now appreciating the simplicity of songwriting but I, but I wonder from from the experience that you had and being bitter about it or being affected by it the ugly experience with your yeah, marriage yeah. which justifiably you would maybe refrain from writing what was it that triggered the song? Did it just come out of nowhere? And uh, I love you. I love you. Yeah. And again, it's it is. But I have no problem in saying that she uh, she woke me up, and she's always every single day she has to listen to me. We work together every single day, yeah. but every every single day she has to listen to me have an issue with something. You know, if, if I hear a song on the radio and I think it's crap, I'm like, oh, that's, what the, what's this, what's that? And Olivia was like, well, why don't you write something? You can't, you, you can't criticize someone for, even if it's bad, for getting up and doing something and making something. Yeah. She was like, you have no right to compare yourself if you're actively not doing anything. And, and she doesn't do it in a harsh way, but she's, she's one of my biggest, she is my biggest fan. And she's always affectionately saying, this is a great job, but don't forget where you are. You know, it's great to have this money coming in from Crystal, and we, and we needed this to start a life together as a married couple. But she says, don't ever... She's, she's used to me now standing up in front of people on this ship and introducing acts that come on board and sometimes play with backing tracks or whatever. And she got really upset recently and says, I... I I was sat looking at you introducing people coming on the stage and it should be, she's like, it should be the other way around, you know, it should be, because we would have to come in at the end of someone's performance and play to whoever was left in the room, you know, and a lot of people would give a standing ovation for whoever was there and then leave and we would pick up the 10 or 11 people that are in the room and, and that started to get to me and it started to get to Olivia, but Olivia's like, look, once we're comfortable and we buy a house and we're happy and the pressure is off your back because I've had a lot of pressure money-wise from an early age and marrying Olivia terrified me to have no way of supporting her and the only thing I was thinking was that we needed to have some sort of money to start a life together as a, a married couple. I couldn't do the risk of go out and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that to her, and and she she wouldn't want to be with someone who was that way inclined. Anyway, you know, I, I like because I had zero when I met Olivia. I had probably three hundred euro in a bank account. Okay, so yeah. you take on this job. Yeah, the the whole world's turned upside down for you. You take on the Disney job. Yeah, and you start playing. How are you feeling playing and on the cruise? doing these cover songs? Like, how long does it take for you to feel comfortable doing that? Um, for probably very instant. Because the one or two things, the one or two, so my catalogue went from being huge to an Irish group to being mediocre to an American group. Right. Because a, a, an Irish person would love the song um, The Wreck of the Edmunds Fitzgerald and, right. and a few Americans might know that and Canadians would know that, you know, and... So that was, I would take that from the catalogue and say that stands. So it, it went from being around about 800, 900 songs to being about 80 songs that were acceptable to play right. to just an American audience. So for me, it was, an, it was a process of, again of building up a catalogue of songs. 
and it was from literally just people going up and saying, have you ever heard this song? It's uh, it's a Pete Seeger song. And I say, no, I've never heard it. But I always kept the information. I always listened to it. And if it sat well with me in the first five seconds and I knew I could do it, I would do it. If it took a bit longer, I didn't have the time to learn it because, you know, it was every every night playing for three hours. I didn't want to practice guitar during the daytime and practice songs during the daytime. So I would give it a go. And if it went okay, I would do it again until it got better. I would always practice a song as I was playing in front of people. And I'd be very honest with them saying, I've never done this before, but let's see what happens. And I think people enjoyed that involvement as well. Um, so it, for me, it was exciting to start collecting these little gems of songs, like, you know, and, and uh, I always knew the likes of Hotel California by the Eagles and whatever, but some stuff like, I, I never heard Take It to the Limit or The Best of My Love, like, you know, and um, yeah, for me, it was an exciting thing again to be in the position I was when I just started to sing in the Irish bars when I was young, but now start again with regular money coming in, not having to worry about driving to these places and trying to get the work. It was provided to me. I had a 20-second walk to work. <laughs> so that pressure was gone. Uh, I was fed. I was, you know, I could drink beer whenever. You know, it was kind of like I, I didn't have to worry about pocket money for the week. I, I was getting a wage. And my job was to just rebuild a catalogue that worked for American Canadian audiences. So and that's what I did. What what amazes me is the fact that, you know, you got ripped off or you you found yourself in a really shitty situation mm -hmm. with the management. Which is unfortunately you're not the only one who's been in that situation. Yeah. And it could have been worse, it could have been a lot yeah. worse. But that changes the direction of your life and then you meet Olivia. Yeah. That changes the direction of your life yet again. I, yeah. You I, know, and like from the worst possible thing that could happen, maybe not the worst, but from a very bad thing that could have, that's happened to you, yeah, comes this very positive thing. So I, 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 I've been in relationships before with, 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 with women. Um, but I always think that when I, when I met Olivia, the reason why I ended up marrying her, uh, not the reason I ended up marrying her, Marrying her is proof of, before I met Olivia, I was a kid with an idea that I was going to put very little effort in to becoming very successful in the music. And I was waiting for someone to help me out to do that. And it wasn't happening, and I was getting more irritated and more angry. Um, and then I met Olivia. And from, from the time of saying I needed to stay with her, and come up with a plan, and it was the first time I had to think of something work-wise that wasn't just affecting me, it was affecting another person. Uh, and then knowing I was going to marry her, and then marrying her, I was a man, the first time I was a man was when I met Olivia. It was the first time I had to think like a man. Like I had to think almost in the way that my dad was thinking about just make sure you're safe with a regular income, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, that's healthy and unhealthy because my creative side just flew down like you know um so it's been four and a half years with olivia of us counting every single penny and trying to build up our we're, we're in a good place now but everything was about is this job good for you creatively 
Greg, no, it's not. Does it pay well? Yes, we'll then take the job. Will this job last for 10 months of the year and give you no time to work on a craft? Yeah. But well, does, it, does, it pay, does it pay well? Yeah, so take the job. But one could argue what you're doing is working on a craft. It is. You know, I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm just playing cover songs. It's a no-brainer. But you know what I'm doing now is I... I'm 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 finding a, a place where I'm I, I'm I used to I used to when when myself and Olivia were first looking for work, no one would take us because Olivia didn't play an instrument. She didn't play an instrument, and Olivia would be awake until four o'clock every single morning with a keyboard with head, headphones stuck in the keyboard practicing chords. And eventually, she went from playing clunky chords to her left hand doing something that her right hand was doing, and then you know, and then picking out the melody. And even now today. We'll do a song that we've done a hundred times before, and even on this cruise, the first time I ever hear her picking out a certain melody from the song that she's playing, and that's her. That's her, that's her brain. Um, she's very, very good at that, and I have so much confidence that she's behind me, unlike any other musician I've played with before. And I wouldn't have called Olivia a musician when I first met her. I would have said she was a girl who wanted to sing with mm -hmm. a musician, but she's absolutely a musician, and she is. I've got so much confidence knowing that she's behind me when I'm playing. Um, Olivia will be the first one to say that our act is predominantly me leading, and she is uh, amazing in harmony. And and when I'm when I'm playing without her now, the cover songs, it seems kind of bare. It's it's possible, but again, it's it's like the kid with the guitar in the pub, playing while he sat down and not making a beat. Like you know, that's what I feel like now when I'm not playing with her. Um, but for the first time, the pressure is gone for me because I used to, I used to, I remember we were waiting on an email to get work and every email that came through, our phone would buzz and I would run to the phone and I'd be like, okay, and it says, oh, you know, the equivalent of Verizon would like to send you 15 credit, oh no, no, it's okay, right? And then we would get an email from Norwegian Cruise Line saying, we're not interested, sorry. Right. And I go, okay. And I would show Olivia, sorry, that's, that's something that we've sent and put time in, sending an, a demo to, and it's not worked out. So forget about it. And I, what I noticed was her confidence level, because she was trying to learn piano at the stage, her confidence levels was going down. So I was, I was remembering what that was like to have pride in something one minute and then it just be knocked by someone trying to be as... Not negative, but just not accepting what you were doing. So I used to get the emails and I used to just instantly delete them when they were bad, negative, and they would be very negative. Very, and very And what negative. are you doing during this time while oh, you're waiting? We're, I, we're, I'm playing in pubs. Okay. Um, I remember one time we went to church with each other late at night just to say a prayer that something would happen because we knew for us it wasn't music for the sake of playing music and, and seeing the world for us it was staying together mm -hmm. that was it it was, it was everything else is a bonus but for us it was and always has been we can stay with each other if we work with each other and not have to deal with the back and forth thing and, and just we need to build legs together you know um, so I remember sitting in the church and the email going off, and I was even checking emails during church. You know, it's, I was like taking the phone out and I was looking. It's like, okay, so Holland, Holland, America are not interested. I remember deleting the phone, and I remember just praying 
I remember just coming out of my body with just a wish. I says, I, I, I don't know. I, I remember saying, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk to you now while this, while the priest is speaking. I don't know if this is rude or against the conduct of what, you know, this is your house, but help us. Just please, please help us. Please, please help us. And then I'd love to say we went home that night and there was an email saying we've accepted you for, you know, it didn't happen that way. It was still a bit of a, a, a five-month wait. And then the work started coming through. And that was it. Our first job was in Dubai for two months working in a skyscraper, playing music just before a cocktail hour or somewhere. You know, we, we, and then as soon as that finished, we got our first river, or we got our first cruise line with uh, celebrity cruise lines. And we stayed with them for three, three and a half years. And we slowly became better and better and we, we slowly started creeping up. If you go on Cruise Critic, our name was becoming more prominent until that we were one of their... Whenever we went on a ship, we raised their ratings. And we, and we knew that, you know, so we were happy and confident in that. Okay, but what's that like? Because now, you know, it's, it's also a different thing that you're a musician, but now you're being rated, right? Like... It, yeah. People, people rate you after this cruise and say... Yeah, and, and, and when, when we weren't in charge of looking at the ratings or whatever, it was nice because you would get people who would be nice to your face and they might write something bad about yeah. you, but you, you don't meet them when they write something bad. So we were very lucky in, in four and a half... In, in, sorry, in three and a half years on that ocean liner, we received one negative comment. Wow. And that... When we read that comment, we were so upset, and, and everyone else was like, "Calm down, what's what's wrong?" Like you know. So we did well. We were happy with it. This is the first time. This is the first time we're actively being judged on every single thing that is not just music. Music, yeah, on everything, on everything. You have to be very thick-skinned to read. Yeah, you know, people are entitled to their opinion, and we really do. We do, and this is not just me speaking for the company. But it, feedback is what makes this work. Because when we came on our first river ship in October, when we, when we started this first in March, actually, our first cruise was a low-rated cruise. Uh, then we got the feedback for that cruise, and our second cruise went through the roof because we changed things because of the feedback. Now, and. Uh, not just we are we never get feedback about music we're always quite confident with the, the music but in terms of when certain things happen mm. um for us that's that's good but we do have to read we we do have to read the the reviews that because we're heads of the department so we're management on board and we do have to read every single comment that comes through so if someone if someone doesn't like you and it's not because of the music you're doing and it's not because of uh anything you've necessarily done but they just they're rubbed by you the wrong way and I sometimes get that with, with people you know um, I, I'm trying it, it's an amazing lesson to learn um, to see people at face value to, to, I don't like going into a, a, a talking to a guest knowing that I'm fishing for them to give me a good comment at the end of the cruise. I don't like that. You know, I like to, yeah. it's too long to be on a ship to, to constantly treat people in that way. You go crazy. The only person I was genuinely speaking to in a genuine way was Olivia in 10 months, then I would go insane. I need people yeah, to talk. I need sure. relationships with people. So 
And these are all short-term relationships. Yeah, you have, we have, at the moment we have seven days and then we have ten days. Yeah. But I always try and just, I, I always try and, I'm not good at doing the, hi everybody, you're very, you're very well, you know, I can't, I can't do the jazz hand kind of thing, but I can talk, if, I can talk to you like you're a person who's completely different to the last person who sat in your seat last cruise. Right. And that's what I always want people to know. Like I always want people to, to get that, you know. Um, I, and I won't agree for the sake of agreeing. You know, we can have, you're, you're on board a ship, everyone is an adult and you can have an open conversation. Like, you know, so we, we genuinely, we, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've seen us with the guests, but we do get on with them quite well. Mm -hmm. um, because there's no falseness. So we're confident in what we're doing now. How long did it take to get to that point? On the river ship? Yeah. I'd say that by a third cruise, we had it nailed down. Because it's all, once something works in this, in terms of programming, lock it in. And then the thing that you weave in and out of all the cruises is just actually getting to know the difference between this cruiser and the last cruiser. Right, so that's the other thing. I mean, I don't know if people can realize the amount of work that goes into this. And now it's that you're huge, doing the, yeah. not only do you, are you the director of the entertainment portion, but just being a musician, you're doing a bunch of things, right? Like it's, you have your yeah. tribute to Johnny Cash, you have your sing-along night, you have your Irish yeah. night. So the, diff the difference is, on the ocean liner for so long, we were playing for three and a half hours every single day, sometimes five hours a day. And that was it. That's all we were doing. Right. So we ended up kind of becoming a little bit tired of the songs after six months, seven months, then a nine-month contract. We got tired of waiting to go on stage and perform. What's weird now is the whole day is taken up with little things that are challenging. It's like a puzzle we have to put together mm -hmm. every day. Um, and even morning meetings. I never thought I'd be in a position where I had to go to a morning meeting as the head of a department. You know, it's kind of it's you know. And Olivia's amazing. Olivia does the majority of the admin work. Olivia Olivia's brain works better that way. She can type faster, and she's she's just very very good at figuring out a problem. We a lot of the times we have discussions with each other and catch something before it goes through. And so the day is challenging. And what has happened is now. When we stand on a stage and put a guitar and she sits at the piano and we're about to perform for people who are paying for a cruise, we're starting to go, oh, oh okay, this is familiar. And this is what we enjoy and this right, is what right. we do. You know? So it's, it's become, I, I, I did used to go, oh, I don't want to play music tonight on the ocean liners. But now I'm like, oh, great, we get to play tonight. You know? It feels like, at the moment, it feels like we get our, our day job done. And then the nighttime is not a job. Playing the music is not a job because it, it's second nature to us at this stage and it's something we enjoy. So it is, it is helping us appreciate music again. Just even if it's not your own, it's helping us appreciate playing music because there's, number one, less of it in the day. Um, it's still a huge amount of music. I mean, we're mm -hmm, still doing yeah. like two hours. But it's not... I remember on the ocean liners, they would say, okay, we need you to play at four o'clock today, outside by the pool. And we're looking outside and it's, you know, 30 degrees, you know, snowing, rain, hurricane, you know, are like, Re there's going to be no one there. Just do it. Just do it. And not all the companies. I mean, this, this was one in specific that I haven't mentioned and I won't mention, but we would go outside and 
you'd be stood there and you'd be playing to nobody and you would call saying, there's nobody here. It's four o'clock during a hurricane. There's no one sitting at the pool. Do it. And they'd hung up. You know, and, and so it became like, oh, what are we doing this for? And it kind of cheapened everything. So this now is making us appreciate playing music. And because I don't dread picking up a guitar at the end of the night, I now very recently don't mind picking a guitar up in my room, in my free time, which is a beautiful thing that's happened. Mm -hmm. Just figuring out, you know, and, and not just going, okay, this song might be well for tonight. But that's why I'm recently starting to write songs again. The, the chicken, no chicken all bone, you know, and that's, that's what I'm starting to do. Um, uh, and I'm starting to write happier songs and, you know, I'm not afraid to write a love song. And I wrote an amazing love song. I consider it, I'm proud to say it's amazing. I think it's an amazing love song for Olivia that I played for her. And yeah, she cries when she hears it and that's the payment I need is for to write I'm starting to get a lot of enjoyment of creating something she'll she'll go to the gym and she'll be there for 45 minutes and in 45 minutes I have a song written and ready to play for her when she comes back into the room and I'll play a song and it's so simple and it's so non self-indulgent and it's so non <laughs> I'm trying to sound as clever as I possibly can with these words it's just an open honest song and I told Olivia recently that I am going to start Towards the end of the cruise, when cruisers know you and they respect you for music and, and you know, and you've given them a lot of music in terms of theme nights and whatever, I don't see a problem at the end of a cruise, maybe having a 20 minute time during the day where I say I'm going to sing my own songs. And I think I will start doing that with the recent stuff. For me, that will be an opportunity to start considering myself a songwriter again, because I won't pull up songs that I've written when I was 16. 17. I know you have a contract and you know there's a, there's a finite amount of time that you're working on this thing, but do you have a long-term goal? Well, this comp the company's been very good to us because they've, they said, they, they said, how long do you want? And we said, well, we want this much of the year. And they said, you know, it's a lot of people take vacations after three or four months. And we said, look, it's the first time we're in a good position with regular money, good money. For, for, for me, well, amazing. You know, it's kind of the turnaround is like we're hoping to buy a house in January in Ireland when we go home. Which even when I say it, it sounds like someone else is saying it because I never thought I'd be in that position. Right. I, I, three years ago, I wasn't in that position, you know, to, so to is be able to say right that. now because you're on, on the well, you're basically we, on the road or on the river. We rented an apartment okay. um, since we got married, but just before coming on the ship in March, the, actually the day before coming on the ship in March, on St. Patrick's Day, we handed over the keys to the apartment because we're going to be here for nine months, right. ten months. We can't, we, we don't want to pay rent to a place we're not going to be. So um, in terms of the long-term thing, we'd like to buy a house. I'd like to keep working with the company for as long as they will have us maybe eventually not for 10 months of the year maybe maybe a three month thing right. and two week filling and whatever you know um, to be financially comfortable to have the weight off my shoulder to enjoy 
putting time into something creative and, and to consider myself a songwriter again. Um, I couldn't do that if I didn't have money in the bank. Mm -hmm. It's a nice dream. It's a nice idea to say, oh, just go for it, you know, but it's not practical. I always, I always feel that. I always, when I see 16, 17-year-old kids in the town where we're from, and I go home and I see them playing and I hear them talking about, you know, it's always great for them to say that they're not going to put their head down and get a, you know, a, a degree in something. Or it's always uh, nice to see that they have so much confidence to think that it's just going to work out for them. And I get so many things on Facebook now saying, follow this page and this page and this page and this page. And it is a lovely thought to think that a young kid can just go out and follow a dream and it'll work out, but there's a huge chance that it, it won't. And there is a time there, if, if you can catch someone before they're 22, 23, and say, look, puts, just, just in case, just in case. No one did that with me. And I was 25, 26, and no money, you know, and, and singing on a cruise ship. I'm, I, it, this is the first time we're in a position that's that I'm very, very proud of, and for me, it's it's for I I feel like I'm gonna pick off, I'm gonna pick up from just before I signed the contract for that manager. Eventually, in the near, in the very very near future, I feel like, and I'm working towards it now. I feel like I'm gonna pick up from where that kid signed the contract. I'm going to now pick up from that exact spot just before he signed that contract, but now I have a knowledge of what my voice is in terms of a song. You know, I, I don't want to sound like the most pretentious person in a song, and I don't want to, to write a song, just wait, see how many words I can fit in it, you know, and, and just, I don't want to, I'd like, which, which I, I believe everything has helped me, and I believe that coming on a cruise ship for all those years or, or working in the bars for all those years and going, oh, this song is easy and people love it. When I'm writing a song, I know it doesn't have to be the most complicated thing, you know, it's kind of like even a Bob Dylan blown, well, not, not Bob Dylan, but like an, an Eagle song, Take It to the Limit. Mm -hmm. Take it to the limit, take it to the limit, take it to the limit, one more time. If you wrote that down on a piece of paper, you go, you're just repeating this three times and then just saying one more time at the end, you would go, this kind of... But for me, when I was younger, I would write down as much as I could so it would make the page look clever. <laughs> and it would, in turn, dumb down the song because the page looked clever, but the song was too complicated, right. not speaking to anybody. So I do believe that from the time before I signed that contract to now, that huge, huge gap... It's a huge, huge gap of having no confidence. I'm, going to, I'm starting to consider myself a songwriter again. I'm starting to consider myself a, a musician. I'm in a, I'm in a job that's not necessarily just that, but that not necessarily just that job is supporting me to be able to rethink. I would have loved to be that kid and have, have me from the future come back and say, listen, don't fret, you're going to be all right. You're going to have a wife by the time you're 30 years old. You're going to buy a house by the time you're 31. You're going to have, you know, you're going to be look. there's going to be a company who is generous to you and, and who appreciates you. And you're going to have a job that you really, really enjoy. You're, you're going to start thinking about yourself in terms of a creative process again. And you're going to be better at it. 
because these songs you're doing now are decent, but they're so they're so cocky and they're so they're too cocky and they're not clever. You know, right. you know, you're gonna write genuine stuff and you're gonna write something without thinking anyone is ever gonna hear it, but you're just gonna get relief that you wrote it, and that's what's starting now. I wrote a song three days ago that probably no one will ever hear, but I had so much relief when I played it once back and recorded it on my phone, and I said, okay, that's that's what this is about, like you know. And if the only if the only audience I ever have is my wife, then I'm happy with that, you know. Well, judging from what I've seen, I mean, the people love you. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. what I've seen on this cruise, I wonder. I I should wrap this up, but my final question to you is. When you play for these people, and I know it's a different circumstances, but mm. people are showing up every night to see you, whether yeah. it's trivia night or music or whatever. But yeah, yeah. there's a connection between the, the passengers and, and, and the two of you. I, is that just a temporary one-week cruise or 10-day cruise relationship, or do you find that they follow you on Facebook? Oh, no, or? they do, yeah. The majority of people who follow us. Okay, so, so in some ways you've already built yourself an audience or a fan base. Yeah, if, if we did release something, I, I said something on Facebook a while ago saying I'm done with Facebook, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I, like I had one of those moments like, oh God. <laughs> I saw one of those adverts that came up on Facebook saying, I can't, just Facebook for me has gotten so stupid. In some ways, like, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I see something like there's a picture of a doctor with an unhappy face and it says, this doctor was about to save the life of a young girl but he didn't get 10,000 likes. Please share so this like what doctor is in a hospital going, "Okay, where's, you know, where's the new yeah, heart? Yeah. Okay, okay, we're going to put the new heart in." Wait, hold on. How many likes did she get? Oh, 9,999. Sorry. You know, it's no not go. So, I, I just I got fed up with that. And, uh, and I said, oh, "Look, I'm I'm it's taking up too much of my time to just you know, mess around on Facebook. You don't even. I don't even comment or anything. But social media for me wasn't working out. Whatever. So, I just recently said that I'm going to scrap my Facebook and make a new page, which is just focused on my music. And that's from my new way of thinking. That I'm just going to put stuff out. I'm not selling it. I'm just going to put stuff out. And every single person that said, "Let us know when the page is up," and was, they were all cruisers. They were all like there was seven hundred, almost eight hundred and almost 850 people all people who've seen us over the last four years who we forget follow us but still follow us mm -hmm. um, no because i can see that relationship building like no I it's great and i love it and I, I, yeah. and I think what i'm proud of for the two of us is that it's because a guest can say he talked to us like we were a genuine mm. person and olivia talked to us like we were a genuine person i'm not gonna sit and say the same joke to the same people not just, I mean, it's a good, it's a good strategy that if something works in terms of like a story about a song, keep it exactly as it is, because if it worked, it worked. But for my own mental health, saying the same stuff over and over again for 10 months is going to drive me insane. So I like to get to know a passenger. I don't even like the word passenger. I don't like the word guest. I, I, get, I like to get to know people when they come on this ship. Yeah. Um, I'll take my time in between. Again, now my guitar will go out of tune tonight, and I'll take my I'll take my absolute time in front of a, a room full of people waiting to slowly tune up the guitar and just say, "Did everyone? Did it? Oh, by the way, did anyone go up to the the top steps of the Cologne Cathedral today?" 
537 steps. You know, and, and I, yeah. it's not a joke, but I'll talk, you know, and I, and I have the confidence now to take my time. I think when, it, when, it, when someone is looking at someone perform and, and that person that they're looking at seems a little bit nervous, it makes the audience a little bit nervous. Whereas you see someone who's taken their t absolute time and has so much confidence that that space is their space and no one in that room deserves to be in that spot more than that person, then there's a sense of calm, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it's an enjoyable thing. So I think when people follow us, it's because they know that we're genuinely interested. And some people return the next year or whatever, right? Like, I mean, yeah, and, th and then again, you don't want to be saying the same jokes to the same, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah you know, sure. so. Um, well, it's been a real pleasure meeting you. I Absolutely, mean, I've yeah. really enjoyed watching you perform. Thank and, you very much. Um, Thank you. I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to do this. Oh, perfect. No, but, it's uh, great. It's nice to have a break, you know. <laughs> but thank you so much for doing this. Thank you this. very much. Pleasure. Thank you very much.